0: Welcome to the mysterious and enchanting world of magic. This is not your typical podcast. This is a podcast that delves deep into the darker sides of the art. We venture into the shadowy corners of the magical world and may encounter some things that are best left unseen. So turn down the lights, light some candles, and join us as we explore the spellbinding world of witchcraft. This is untold magic welcome back everybody today i'm sitting down with joanna and i'm really really excited uh to have this conversation because there's just i already have so many questions so if you want to introduce yourself and kind of tell everybody like what you do and what uh just about yourself i guess
1: yes of course thank you so much for having me taylor it's awesome to be here um my name is joanna in polish you would say joanna but for you know, the viewers and uh, the people who engage with me uh, are usually English speakers. I just go by Joanna online. So I'm a practitioner of Polish folk magic and traditional witchcraft. I was born in Poland and I live here still. So kind of boring of a background, I suppose. And uh, when it comes to the background, I guess that's usually an interesting thing with practitioners of witchcraft, right? So I would like to provide a tiny bit of that. So um, those who are listening to the podcast can maybe better understand where I'm coming from, and uh, how practices of witchcraft, especially folk witchcraft develop uh, here. So uh, Poland is a very Catholic country. Most people, over 90% people are declared to be Catholics here. So I also grew up steeped in that but the thing is that um our culture is very much folk catholicism especially in the rural areas so uh, you can expect kind of the syncretism of you know older practices or older beliefs kind of mixed in with the catholicism so it's an interesting kind of a combination uh, that really i suppose helped preserve the traditions of our ancestors uh, although we never really had like Proper sources uh, from pre-Christian times, I guess, due to the um, due to it still being being alive in the folk um, traditions and folk beliefs, we can still kind of you know know what our ancestors believed in, what they practiced, what was important to them, and that sort of a thing. So that's uh, my main interest. That's what I love to uncover as a practitioner. I love reading books about folklore. Uh, about you know anthropological studies of what my ancestors were up to and also um, as a practitioner because I guess the nerdy side (laughs) putting that aside uh, also as a practitioner I'm an animist so I like to you know engage with the land directly Um, so where I live I happen to be living very close to to holy mountains, Ślęża and Radunia that were um, places of worship way way like a few thousand years ago and they are still places of worship mostly pagan worship to this day so i'm really lucky to be located in a place where those traditions are still kind of kept alive to this day and uh, i always take advantage of that uh, when communing you know with uh, the land spirits and with my ancestors which is kind of the main bulk of my practice as well so i guess (laughs) that would be my introduction
0: no that's so awesome so I love that there's a heavy emphasis on Catholicism because so where I live I live in South Texas which is right I mean I live like four hours away from Mexico and it is very very Catholic here mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah I get it it's, uh, it's it's an interesting space to be in for sure because on one hand people are very strict Catholics um, but on the other hand they're still doing these folk practices that are very much not Catholic and it's it's an interesting space for sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so you said you live in Poland, right? Um I don't even know what to ask. Like, can you just tell me a little bit about I mean, I want to say the culture, but more so I guess like the mythology, I guess would be the best question because I coming from here, I have no clue like what even your folk practices would contain. So, I'm just like everything, I want to know everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm happy to share. Uh, Of course, I will try to keep it slightly brief because, to be honest, as I mentioned, there's no direct written sources that survived when it comes to mythology. So everything that we have today comes from comparative studies that come from folklorists and anthropologists uh, and, uh, you know, all sorts of nerdy people who really want to dig into that stuff. But uh, we basically have like quite a few versions of the mythology the basic ontological myth, which is at the base of everything, which is the base of mm, the myth of the creation of the world itself, is that the world was created from an egg. So everything like the cosmic egg was the first thing that existed and everything sprung from it. And uh, you can kind of see that in um, folk practices, Slavic folk practices, for example, with pisanki, the eggs that you see around Easter time, maybe you've seen them around, you know, they are usually painted or dyed with natural um, plant dyes, et cetera, with specific symbols. Those symbols usually tell us a lot about the mythology as well. So coming back to that egg right we have uh once the world was born from that egg you have the dualism straight away of two opposing deities that would be perun which is the heavenly god of thunder and uh Veles, who is the Ctonic god of the underworld and they had to cooperate to actually create the middle world that we humans exist in so um the thing is that they were kind of on a boat and uh Perun needed something, some material to create the soil out of the earth that we now walk on. But uh, the problem was that that soil was on the bottom of the ocean that they were swimming on in that boat that they were in. So Veles, the tectonic deity, actually had to dive to the very bottom of that ocean to take some of that soil back and uh, give it to Perun so that they can create that soil together. Uh, So from the very beginning, those forces that at one hand, you know, this heavenly power and this dark tonic power, they needed to cooperate together to create the world. And uh, so that's the basis of the mythology. And then from that, everything else springs. So you have um, different like families of deities, uh, depending on the region as well. I would like to stress something because I know that oftentimes when we talk about Slavic mythology and Slavic witchcraft in general. This is probably not emphasized enough how important the region is. Uh, so, for example, I living in Poland. I am a considered a Western Slav, uh, together with people from the Czech Republic and the Slovaks. But you also have Easter Slavs, which would be uh, you know Russians, Ukrainians, etc. And then also Southern Slavs uh, who are right in the south. Uh, so Croatia, etc., and like Slovenia. And for each of those regions, our magics differ, our mythologies differ, the names of the gods differ. So um, I am emphasizing this because oftentimes um, I see this talked about like uh, Russian mythology instead of Slavic mythology. And it's assumed that if something is Russian, then it's like, the same everywhere among Slavic people and that's not really the case. So for example, uh, for Easter Slavs you would have this goddess of uh, Zemlia, who is a goddess of the earth, whereas for us in Poland that would be Marzanna is a goddess of soil of the agrarian cycles but also of death and rebirth so that's how you would kind of um, dive into the nuances if somebody who's listening to us for example would like to learn more about slavic mythology they would first need to specify which slavic mythology so western slavs eastern slavs or southern slavs right so that's how i would sum it up i guess
0: oh my gosh this is so exciting so i did have a hearth and be some carry um as a guest and it was the same thing it was like I didn't even know what to ask um and this is so interesting to me just because like I said I I live in Texas and so it's like where else would you get this kind of exposure to a culture like this and it's really cool um and when you were talking about the egg I think that's really cool too because so like in Mexican folk magic Um, We do cleansings and we use an egg right and so we use the egg to remove and to absorb all the negative energy and to contain it, so that way we can get rid of it in a proper way. And so I don't know I, I mean I know it's not quite similar but I just think it's really interesting the thing with the egg being so like part of the mythology yeah.
1: And you know what, you would be maybe surprised, maybe not, but uh, actually Mexican folk magic, I feel like has a lot in common with Slavic folk magic. And uh, I do have a friend who happens to be Polish, but she lived in Mexico for quite a few years. And she was also, growing up there, she was also very surprised how many similarities we have because of the folk Catholicism and everything. And you know what, same with the egg here. The practice of cleansing yourself with the egg, we call it yayovanieh. And uh, it's literally what you just described. You take the egg and you either roll it directly on the skin or you just uh, hold it above the skin and cleanse the entire body with it, right? So it's the same practice. And I feel like uh, the same also um, applies to like folk saints that you might be petitioning for different purposes or uh, working a lot with Mother Mary as this kind of syncretic figure uh, that really... Uh, could be seen as a replacement for many uh, spirits of the land post-Christianization kind of a thing, right? So I feel like we really have a lot in common and maybe more than people realize on first glance.
0: That is so cool. This is my favorite thing about doing the podcast in general, getting to meet people from different cultures, right? But also finding those little threads of similarity, which I think are just so interesting because even like in different... um, um, South American diasporas, like um you'll see like some of the saints will be incorporated into their particular um indigenous beliefs, but like it's very it's very similar to like how how Mexican people would um use the saints, but they're two totally different um I guess places of origin. And so it's just really cool. Um from what I've read, because I am also a nerd. And um, <laughs> the Virgin Mary is really prominent here um, in South Texas because she is attributed to one of the, I always forget how to pronounce the name, but she's a Mayan goddess who was the goddess of the corn, which is the goddess of agriculture and of life in general. And so you'll see a lot of those myths have been intertwined with each other. So you're saying it's really similar over there as well, where the Virgin Mary is going to be intertwined with like, a life-giving goddess
1: absolutely same yeah uh when it comes to poland specifically um mother mary would be syncretized with Majanna, whom i mentioned previously but also with many like local land spirits that uh for example spirits of uh sacred springs or specific rivers or like specific rock formations etc so i feel like um when you compare i think countries that share Catholicism share a lot of those syncretisms for uh, deities and spirits that you also mentioned. So that's very similar. But also what I think uh, is similar across those cultures that use those syncretisms with Catholicism is that uh, you have this dual belief. At one hand, it's Catholicism, but it's kind of like just surface level, whereas underneath there's all this pagan stuff that really, um, you know, that's where the values really stem from, right? So at one hand, how we say here that you're supposed to light the candle for God, but also not forget to light a week for the devil. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of folk practices that uh, at one hand you would be working with people. Um, powers or spirits that are considered holy, uh, that are considered uh, coming from the heavens. But at the same time, uh, you would be working with uh, the devil and spirits that are not really, you know, on the good side of things, if you look at it from the dualistic perception, right? So yeah, I feel like that's the case everywhere. And I often see practitioners being confused about that, especially if you come from um a ceremonial approach to magic like from the western occult practices where you have to choose like you're either working with saints or angels right and uh the Enochian angels uh or you work with goetia and the demons so you have to choose one side and you can't do both at the same time whereas with folk practices like you are supposed to do both because um here the way uh, we kind of understand it it's that um Spirits exist. There's no hierarchy. Hierarchy is something that was made up by rich men much later on. We don't really care about that. As folk practitioners, we are down to earth. We are of the earth and we have different issues, right? That those people who are higher up in their made up hierarchies. So the way we look at spirits is that there are no hierarchies either. So um, some spirits, especially those that come from the heavenly realms, you could say, or the holy ones, um, they can only help you with certain things that have to do with those realms. But if you need help with anything that has to do with earthly matters, like health, like um, making sure that, you know, vegetables grow in your garden, et cetera, like those guys can't really help with that. They don't have those powers. So you need to be also working with spirits that are considered, you know, dark and evil and all that shit. So it's really important to know that, we don't really need to be so black and white about our practices and everything makes sense when you look at it from the animistic perspective.
0: No, for sure. First of all, I love that you talked about this because love. Um, so like in, I'm just going to say South American um, practices, right, or Latin American, because this is a really broad topic, not just specific to one particular country. Um so like this folk saints, right? They all have that dualistic personality. So it's like you have those saints that are like, quote unquote, like holy. Like for a good example is Saint Michael, right? So he would be considered an angel, um, really high up there, and like you said, the quote unquote hierarchy. But um, with the devil underfoot, he's known to let that devil loose, and then you know what I mean. And so it's very like dualistic, yeah. um, to get things taken care of in a very uh tangible manner so I like that though because you're I think you're right there well you are right um I just never thought about it with the occultic side because I have heard that people are like oh you can only work with angels or you can only work with demons and I'm like I mean I understand maybe not at the same time but there are a lot of people who do work with one or the other just like I said maybe not at the same entire ritualistic thing so that's really interesting I like that
1: yeah, absolutely. Agreed. I think it's really important to consider because oftentimes, especially, you know, nowadays we have access to the internet so we can talk like we are talking right now practitioners from all over the world and there's just, you know, you can't possibly know everything. So, I mean, when we can have those discussions and really tap into how other people perceive the world and how other people practice across the globe, that's when you start noticing that's it's not so simple and maybe something that we knew along the way of our uh, learning of uh, witchcraft or the occult could be so, so vastly expanded by that. So honestly, I also, like I've been doing this for a while. I started practicing when I was like 15 or 16 years old. Uh, I will be 33 this year. So it's been some years. Right. And, uh, I need to stress this as well. Like I did not start as a folk practitioner straight away because I did not have uh, easy access to this knowledge. This is something that also came over many, many years of studies and uh, also self-discovery as well. Um, My practice very much started as something rooted in uh, modern eclectic practices. And over time, as I was growing, it evolved into what it is now because I also needed to Um, You know, over time, as you practice and have direct experiences with spirits or direct experiences with uh, just the powers that emerge when you practice witchcraft, they change you internally as well. So sometimes we are just not ready straight away to understand what it is about. Sometimes it just takes time and internal changes. Like, for example, for me, the big change that occurred through, uh, through witchcraft and thanks to witchcraft. Uh, was that I was able to um, actually shed the kind of psychological paradigm that I started with. Uh, I forgot to mention, but I'm a psychologist by day and a witch by night. So I have this dualistic nature to myself as well, kind of. And uh, shedding this psychological paradigm uh, in favor of animism and the spirit model and practicing in that way, it was a big challenge. So I really needed to take my sweet time to arrive where where i am now so i feel like thanks to uh having this um, opportunity i suppose that we have today to talk to so many practitioners that's how we evolve right
0: no for sure so um a big thing that's like really common in like uh, mexican folk magic right now or that's really talked about i should say is decolonization and decolonization means so many different things to so many different people but the the prominent, I guess, definition is the removal of Christianity and Spanish influences on Mexican magic, right? Um, But the issue with that is that as you start getting deeper into what you would say is, quote unquote, traditional Mexican magic, is that a lot of it's not even from Mexico, like, a lot of it has been integrated from like the Romani peoples and the Chinese peoples and Jewish, myst- Jewish mysticism, like there's so many things that have kind of meshed together and evolved to create what is known at now as Mexican folk magic. And it's because people traveled and people shared and people talked and people, you know what I mean? Just kind of. And so that's the other thing too that I really love about magic is because everybody understands energy. Like it's just how it's named or presented, but at the at its base core, like they all have that same type of frequency. And that's why I think too, you're gonna see like, like we were talking about earlier, where like different uh, base religions that have been incorporated into Catholicism are really, really similar, even though the names are different.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. And I love that you're mentioning decolonization. I think uh, it's so important that we are having those discussions as well and kind of seeing uh, where the limits of that are, how we can approach that in ways that are healthy and supportive to uh, the communities at large that are involved in that. Um, I happen to be uh, working with a lot of people who have, for example, Slavic roots, but live in America. Uh, That's kind of my target audience, I suppose, online And uh, I'm seeing this a lot about people feeling removed from uh, their roots and uh, feeling like sometimes feeling this kind of guilt or um, I don't even know how to name this around connecting to those roots because... kind of like that, like somebody told them, you're not allowed to do that because you're not living there or something like that. And I feel like there's a lot of issues of gatekeeping. I mean, there are some healthy boundaries when it comes to gatekeeping and it has its place where it's really important. For example, preserving some um, practices that are supposed to be closed. But I mean, if you have the roots, doesn't matter what they are. I'm just giving an example of the Slavic roots, Right. It doesn't matter where you live or it doesn't matter how many um, generations have passed and how many other cultural influences were built up up on top of those initial roots, you are still allowed to connect with your ancestors. And sometimes that can be kind of wonky and weird, right? Because uh, we have to learn to nav- navigate through uh, the systems of oppression and the colonization and everything that was imposed on top of that right and kind of learn to navigate through that to find our practice in ways that work for us and in ways that don't make us feel guilty about practicing it right so I know it's not the same with uh, like uh, Mexican practices etc and the colonization that um, like how it um, manifests in America it's way different than here but still I feel like there's some common threads and I wanted to speak to that mainly. So yeah, it's really fascinating to me as well.
0: You're right with the deep, it's like, it really is like a deep sense of shame. It's almost like, okay, like you're not worthy of doing this because you did not grow up in the same kind of environment as these people did. And so you're not like of the culture Um, you're still an outsider, even though like bloodline, you are a part of the culture. And I think it's really interesting too, because like, so for me, my big issue Um, or I guess my big like obstacle in when I started my ancestral work was that a lot of my ancestors are super Catholic and I was anti-Catholicism, you know, I mean, I was, I was anti-Christianity really. And I was just dealing with all of my religious trauma. And so having to reconcile that in order to have my ancestral practice was a journey in itself. And I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck and hung up because it's like they want to decolonize, they want to remove this aspect but but you cannot undo what has been done to those before and those were their deeply held religious beliefs it doesn't necessarily have to be yours. but understanding that will help you to like connect with them more and then you can get past that hurdle to get deeper, you know, you have to work backwards.
1: Yeah, I get you so much and honestly, same. Growing up in Catholicism, I really... Can I swear?
0: Yes, go for it. We're... I was
1: really fucking butthurt and just wounded by this religion. Honestly, it wounds people. And... uh I was also anti-Christian, anti-Catholicism for the longest time, and I just couldn't reconcile that shit. Honestly, it was really hard. So um, I feel you when you're saying that as well. I feel like many of us have those um issues to kind of work through, either through shadow work or therapy, or just, you know, learning how to heal those wounds and integrate those aspects in ways that don't hurt us today, right? So Exactly same, like you said, I needed to take many, many, many years of um just untangling all of that, to be able to include some of those aspects into my practice to be able to honor my ancestors in ways that are true to them, because I feel like when you are kind of younger and angsty and an edge lord inside, you're like, Oh, fuck that. I'm just going to do everything in you know a pagan fashion. I'm not going to address any of those uh, Catholic roots or Christian roots because I don't want to screw that. I hate this hierarchy. I hate this church, everything, right? There's a lot of anger, basically, what I'm trying to get at with that. Uh, But over time, at least that's how it was for me. I needed to learn that um, if I want to address my ancestors, I really need to be able to honor the fact Uh, that they their faith, uh, they probably loved Jesus. They probably like went to church every Sunday or like every day or whatever, right? So um, that's where uh, folk magic, I think, comes in and really saves everybody's ass at the end of the day. Because uh, when you look at the folk Catholicism practices, they are just, they are not about Jesus. They are not even about God. They are about the earth and about uh, everyday experiences. About uh, honoring the agrarian cycles, uh, about making sure that you have good weather, about making sure that your family is protected, that your children don't die, that kind of stuff, right? like where's where's Jesus really? He's there's not much of him in there, right? And, uh, but this needs to be a process, something that's um kind of integrated over time until it becomes comfortable. And I feel like that's okay.
0: <laughs> a lot of the people that I've met, so um, I do have a, brick and mortar store down here and so I do meet a lot of people to have a lot of these conversations with people in real life and um a lot of people get stuck there with like the reconciliation of like catholicism or christianity for their ancestors but for me like one thing that really helped me out a lot is as I started working with other folk saints um you know I I started to kind of learn more about how you properly approach them things they like things they don't like and I had to recognize it's not what I want to do. It's what they want me to do. And in working through that or working that way, it kind of became easier for me. Like I don't have to believe in these things. I don't have to believe in Catholicism or go to church or do X, Y, and Z, but my grandma wants me to pray the rosary before before I talk to her, you know what I mean? And so it's like an incantation or an invocation in her honor since she does not have a mouth to physically say it herself. And so learning those different like nuances, it does, it just takes time. And like a lot of times people don't realize, like, how should I say? Um, Sometimes people just want to hit things head on, not realizing that sometimes if we just go a little sideways, we might find the answers that we're looking for and then come back around.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well said. And uh, I feel like that's how you recognize that you actually established like authentic spirit relationships when they tell you what they want. And it's not just coming from your imagination. Oh, this is what I would like to do. So I'm just going to do that for them instead of asking them what they would like. Uh, As you said, with the rosary, right? Like my grandmas were uh, fanatics of the rosary, even though I feel like their spirituality, maybe they didn't even recognize it exactly, but it was really... Um you know there's this cult of Mary that feels much like goddess worship something covered as Catholicism so I feel like their spirituality was very much based on that and uh when my grandmother's died I really felt um like a huge wound in my life not having them anymore that was quite a few years ago now but uh that's actually when I felt for the first time like I'm ready to pick up the rosary and integrate it into my witchcraft practice because I really wanted to stay connected with them and still be able to glean their knowledge and wisdom and have them as my um as guidance in my life so I feel like if you truly want to stay connected you will find ways to reconcile those differences Uh, I myself also don't um I guess, consider myself Catholic in any way. Uh, But still, I do integrate that for the sake of working with those spirits. Uh, But also, interestingly, you know, uh, for example, here where I live, not far away from my home, we have those very old burial mounds from like the 8th century of a very uh, old Slavic tribe that used to live here. So uh, it's interesting to compare when you work with like, more recent ancestors, more recently deceased people who were Catholic and where that was all they knew, really, versus those people from the eighth century who had no idea what Catholicism even was, like it was not here back then. So uh, the differences of working with those spirits versus the recent ones is just mind-blowing, honestly. Uh, so if I wanted to approach it from, you know, just doing what I want instead of asking the spirits and honoring they their needs I would probably approach them all from this pagan perspective uh, but I feel like establishing real relationships takes something more so if I want to talk to my grandma I need to like make her coffee with sugar and cinnamon and I need to whip out the rosary right and that's all there is to it and like um you know, ideally also like put a card of the Black Madonna from Częstochowa somewhere on my altar, because that's also like a big figure here in Poland. So I need to do that. But for those ancestors from the burial mounds uh, who were pagan, I don't need to do any of that. I just go, I just touch the soil. I bring offerings of an apple and an egg usually, and sometimes some mead, and that's all they need, right? So it's it's just way different. But it shows that... um, You can actually recognize those relationships and that they are real i guess
0: so for okay so and i started my ancestral like journey right um like i don't really know too much past like my great grandmothers right or my great grandparents that that's pretty much where it stops for me um and so i remember i i said a prayer and i asked for like a very specific like dream or something to be put in my face where i couldn't miss it right because Um, and so I had a dream and I had a dream that I saw all of my ancestors on my dad's side because they're native to Mexico, um, and the Yaqui side, and that's a a native American tribe. And, uh, so I saw them all in a row and my great grandfather, who I never met, but I've seen him my whole life, um, was walking me down and he was talking to me in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish by the way. I mean, I do, but it's very poor. And so he's talking to me in Spanish and some of the people, some of the people wouldn't like talk to me like like some people were like oh my gosh like we want to shake your hand give you a hug like this is so great and some people were like ill like turn away who are you yuck and um so i ended up finding this book and it was about the tradition right about the culture and they were talking about how only recently did they start recognizing like women shamans like in previous generations they didn't recognize women as being shamanic figures or spiritualists in the in the community and so it was really interesting to kind of pair those two things because now I recognize there are going to be some limits on what I can learn from my ancestors based on that right but I had to know that first because at first I was like okay well like um bye like I don't I don't know what's going on um and so I was just kind of speak to that as well because it is going to be different when I work with certain spirits on on my ancestral lineage and recognizing that not all of them are going to like me and not all of them are going to want me to succeed in, in this kind of like field and I think that's important too like whenever you are working with spirits like understanding their culture because they can tell you something and it sounds like a compliment but it's actually an insult because it's based on their culture you know and so that's really important too like understanding those social aspects.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think that's very important. And it's really interesting what you mentioned. I had no idea about that, but that makes sense. But it also like by today's standards, that's not nice, right? (laughs) To have your great grandpa, right? Was it a great grandpa? uh, Uh, It was like, it was like,
0: it was like further, further down, way Mm -hmm. down there towards the end. But I just, I just found it so interesting because I was like, okay, like maybe we just don't vibe. And now it's like, oh, oh, I see. They don't recognize me as legitimate. That's what it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. So uh, by today's standards, it's kind of shit really, but you, if you didn't have that understanding, you would be probably still wondering what's wrong. And like, do we have an issue here that needs to be
0: solved or is
1: this just cultural?
0: (laughs) Oh, and then trying to connect with people, with spirits who clearly don't want to connect with you and you're pushing and pushing and pushing, and that can be an issue as well. So I just wanted to, I love sharing that story just because like, if I hadn't figured that out, like I could still be potentially trying to work with these spirits who genuinely don't want to have anything to do with me, you know, which is fine. Um, but I just say that because it is important to know you don't want to push where you shouldn't be pushing and said you could be pushing where you are wanted or, or you the help is there. If that, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like, especially with ancestor work, but not only, as you say, there are spirits who are open to this contact and there are spirits who just don't care and it's okay. Like they are in a good place. So maybe it's better to just keep them there and like, okay, dude, you chill there. I'm not going to disturb you. I'm just going to work with somebody who actually wants this. And also I feel like it's important to um, have this uh, transitionary almost period when you first start working with somebody. Uh, to train both of the sides of the spectrum. So myself and that spirit person uh, to learn a language where we can actually communicate properly and learn our needs and what we want to do, right? What we like, what we don't like. It's really important.
0: No, for sure. The language one is always interesting because so like um, there are some, some spirits that don't communicate with words. They only communicate with like symbols, right? And a lot of times that's because they don't, understand or speak English and like I think that what I see a lot is like every spirit speaks English for some reason and it's like not every spirit does speak English especially if they're like older indigenous spirits of the land like a lot of times they're just going to speak to you with their emotions and with symbols and like small visions like it's uh so I just I don't know I always want to talk about that because I just feel like like I said and and every and every spirit's always from the 18th century like I don't understand that either like (laughs) Why are they always Victorian? I don't get it.
1: Right. I love that you're mentioning this. This is so true, though. Uh, You know, I need to also mention, because I think it's important here in Poland, like I don't practice in English at all. Everything I do is in Polish, because honestly, like nobody, none of the spirits would understand me if I spoke English to them. So uh, what you're saying is true, like depending on the land, this is regional, like unless it's um, non-human spirits, as you say, spirits of the land or, uh, some free spirits, I suppose, like of specific, um, specific features of, for example, weather, etc. doesn't matter. But yeah, definitely. Like some of them will just speak to you in, uh, images. Some of them will speak to you through bodily sensations. Uh, some of them through visuals, uh, some of them through a uh, sense or, uh, sounds, etc. and dreams, as you say, that's a big thing as well. I feel like some of them, uh, Honestly, dream work is the only way that I can communicate, which is kind of annoying because oftentimes I just feel too tired. I pass out and I don't remember my dreams. And then it kind of clicks on me three days later. that Oh, shit, I had this dream and I probably was supposed to do this and that, but I didn't remember it at the time. So that's also kind of challenging, right? When working with spirits. And that's why I think divination slays a day because that's the only way that sometimes you can access this without entering any altered states of consciousness uh, to glean those visions and and, uh, nonverbal communications from spirits. So I don't know how about you, like, do you practice any divination? I'm really into tarot and, uh, some like old school playing cards and stuff for that stuff. So, uh, especially for the ancestors, I work with like some, um, playing cards as well as, uh, Slavic themed tarot decks usually. So I'm kind of curious how you approach it personally.
0: Um, so I have taken a lot of time to really like sit and learn how to hear, um, specifically well I think it was easier because I started with ancestors that I already knew in real life so I knew kind of what they would say what they wouldn't say it's harder to get like a trickster spirit because you're like my grandma would never fucking say that like be for real um so that was really helpful in learning to hear right um and that's like my main gift is clairaudience so sometimes I just hear bits and pieces or just sounds um but I am a card reader by trade. So that's that's what I do mainly. I'm a card reader. And I do um, read cards for people and that aspect of like, what the spirit guides want to say? Or um, things that they need to work on or whatever questions they have. But divination for sure. I don't do anything unless I do divination because sometimes I'd be like, oh, my ancestors say it was cool. Like I could do this. And then I do the cards and they're just like, no bitch, we didn't say that. Nobody fucking said that, like quit it. <laughs> um, and so- divination for sure and and um there are some people here in texas that i like really admire um i've had them on the podcast and they them too they're like super they have like the lineage down they've grown up in this stuff basically and they're like yeah don't do ever do anything without divination because you need to see the full picture on what's going on um and that's what it's for so
1: yeah absolutely agree like honestly same any workings like rituals, any spell work, uh any even offerings sometimes, especially in uh like new places where uh in nature, for example, if you haven't been there yet, if I don't pull some cards or otherwise actually ask, like what the fuck am I even doing? Because uh oftentimes our at least my brain gets in the way and will try to convince me that something is okay because i really want it to be okay as you said sometimes you pull those cards and it's like Fuck no it did not happen or that's not the case so yeah absolutely same i have some favorite tools for like confirmation or like um, making sure i pick the right tools or i pick the right offerings and everything Uh, Without that, uh, I see that as well often in the like witchy communities, I suppose, that people wonder why did my spell not work or why did it backfire or why did this or that happened? Now you know why. You probably did not pull those cards and maybe the wind was blowing the the wrong direction on that day and that's why, but you didn't ask. So (laughs) now
0: you know, right? it's a process for sure to learn these things like you're, you're going to mess up and you're going to figure it out. I mean, you never, I've made a lot of, a lot of silly mistakes, even, even recently, like I got gifted a, the goetic tarot, which was uh, or the occult tarot is what it's called. Right. And uh, it was, it was really cool. I was really excited. I did not read the instructions. I did not read the instructions and I started pulling cards and I was having a good time and if you read the instructions, it says that before you use that deck, you're supposed to give an offering, right? Um, in order to have an equal exchange of energy. So couldn't figure out why I was so tired, and basically got a shakedown from um, from a demon, and I had to like go through and fix all that. And it, it but that was like a couple years ago. Like that was pretty recent. So. I, I, I love sharing that story just because to let people know, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I've been doing this since I was 14. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get cocky and not read instructions.
1: Yeah, that's also true, though. Like, we do make mistakes. And sometimes we learn the hard way. <laughs> I mean, when I was younger, I my first dabbling with the demons, I suppose that sounds edgy as hell, but that's how it was, really. We did have some issues when uh, working with them or not really, I wouldn't today, I wouldn't call it working with them. I would call it getting into trouble because I don't know what I'm doing. So now I know better, but of course, yeah, that happens. And especially if you're trying something new and like, um, I find that it's especially tricky when working with a spirit and uh, getting some UPG, right? Some personal noses where the spirit shares with you uh, what you're supposed to do. Uh, They share with you some kind of technique to try out or how to best contact them or how to do this or that in a more efficient manner. Uh, Sometimes it just so happens that I misunderstand what they were trying to tell me and uh, it really does not fucking work. And uh, sometimes I really needed to like take a few steps back and do some you know proper cleansings and uh like an overkill protection magic spell to get myself out of that stuff right so yeah it does happen the last time i had a situation like that was like just two or three months ago actually so totally relatable it's not like we ever arrive at a place where we are just perfect practitioners everything always works nothing bad ever happens no spell is ever unsuccessful and no that's just not reality right
0: (laughs) No, for sure. Like, and even too. So, like, <clears throat> I do take on. Uh, I, I do services for people. I'm super picky though, because not everybody, uh, will continue to do the things that are necessary to keep the working working, right? Um. So now I, I'm super picky, but um, there have been times where like I'll do a spell for somebody, and I'm like, okay, but like you need to do X, Y, and Z because, uh, like for example, I had a woman, and she was really great, but. She wanted to have her family back together right and so did the divination it was all good but she needed to do some work on the emotional aspect because essentially all I was doing was bringing her an opportunity to have that op- to have that chance right but she needed to be ready to receive it and make it work um and so I did some work for her too to like kind of help her in that process but it like the candle just kept going out. I did it so many times and it just kept going out and kept going out on, on her side. Right. And so I was like, girl, like if you don't, if you don't do that work, like what I'm all I'm doing is for nothing, right? And uh, so it didn't work. But um yeah, I mean that's gonna happen though. Like you're gonna have instances and even me too, like I'll do work for me for myself and then I'll be like okay like I get the message I need to do xyz but like I don't do it and then I'm like oh I did this to myself like <laughs> you know so I mean it just it happens it's reality and it's it's real like you can be like you said in the in the hierarchy and still have things that don't quite go the way you wanted them to for various reasons including yourself
1: yeah i feel like oftentimes we are just not ready because it's not like uh, magic or working with spirits or any of that. It's just going to solve your issues for you. If you happen to find yourself in a place in life where you run into some blockages or some troubles or uh, I don't know stuff like addictions or stuff like toxic uh, relationships, etc., you you're not getting there out of nowhere. Like that happened because of. The ways you were acting or uh, you were not acting or because of the changes you uh, weren't ready to make in your life so I feel like magic alone is not going to just make that disappear you can open the doors and like do for example a road opening spell to make those things easier as you say with that lady right but if she doesn't do the work it's just not gonna happen if she gets her family back but continues to do the things that destroyed that family in the first place like how is it going to change? There's no way. So yeah. And it's a lesson for all of us, us uh, practitioners included, we are not immune to being human on the contrary.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. Um, Yeah, no. And, and I, I love saying that too, it's just because like, I feel like when you're in this, it's really easy to somehow be like, oh, this person must have all their issues solved when it's not that at all. It's just that you learn how to handle them and how to be more aware of them as they, as they happen. So I think that's the important part of it, of everything, right? It's just to be aware of, of yourself, right? I guess that's kind of what.
1: Yeah, that does make sense. And honestly, I admire you as somebody who does this kind of work for people. Uh, I would not dare honestly to be doing workings for people of that capacity. I would just get annoyed. So you probably must have a really big hard heart to be able to do that for people and like have the patience to help them and explain to them how to go about those things. And uh, it's not easy. I know it's not. So yeah, really like big props to you for doing that for people. I think it's amazing.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It is really common in our culture to have people who work uh, for the community. It's, it's very um, it's very much a thing that is done quite, quite a bit. Like everybody knows somebody, knows a tia who they go to. Um, or an aunt right that they go to for when they have troubles. They have an aunt that they don't talk to because she does dark magic and she'll get you if you take a picture with her. Like it's just such a thing here that it's not even something that's thought about. Um, but it 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 does make for um it being quiet. like it's not something I have like advertised. I'm not like I'll do spell work for you. Like it's like if I do a reading for someone and I'm like, okay, I see here that you just need this little tweak here I can either give it to you or you can pay me and I'll do it for you but I know this will be successful because you're already you know x y and z you know so it is um it is interesting but it's definitely not something I do for everybody
1: okay that does make make a lot of sense so you're picking from amongst the clients of divination like who's who has the potential to benefit from that in any way right I think that's really smart honestly I feel like here um There's definitely like uh, witches or practitioners, folk practitioners who would be helping people, especially with those like healing practices uh, or or cleansing practices and protective practices. But honestly, like witches here mostly have really bad rap, like uh, witches, at least in the kind of folk perception of the world and like, you know, the common random person on the street perception of the world. Witches are somebody who's going to fuck you over, probably like steal your money, steal your wife, like destroy your crops and everything. So I feel like we are perceived kind of in a more uh, darker manner here. And funnily enough, even though uh, we are known for those dark things, right, (laughs) quote unquote, uh, it's still uh, funny to know that uh, witches would be usually the ones who sit in the first row. At church
0: <laughs> to benefit from that right so 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 in, in mexico right That or uh, spanish the the term for like a dark for a witch is like bruja right um but a bruja is someone who will like eat your children and steal your soul like this is someone who's like really really bad um so it's definitely not considered a positive thing and then on the flip side we have curanderas who are like healers right who are folk practitioners healers medicine women things like that but um, I've heard this so much and it's so true where it's like the best brujas are the ones that are sitting front row on church every Sunday and every time they're doing a prayer they're throwing someone's name in there to get all the energy from the from the mass right Um, and into their into their work so it's just yes it's such a thing I love it
1: yeah I know right it's like keep your friends close but keep your enemies closer almost
0: <laughs> no I love for that sure that's legit though (laughs) that's how you know right um but yeah it's uh I just feel like Mexican culture we very very much have a massive respect for the unseen world and there are a lot of myths about people who have you know fucked around and found out and there are always cautionary tales like it's just uh it's such a thing and it's really interesting so I always ask everybody like if you have any commentary on tiktok because which talk is such a thing and i always want to hear everybody's perceptions of it if you have any if you don't that's cool but i just figured i would ask anyway
1: yeah sure uh so i don't have tiktok and i never had tiktok uh in fact i'm actively avoiding that space but of course you know being on the internet you are exposed to stuff whether you want or not so i've seen some of that i've known people who engage in that and um I think it's mostly for people who are much younger than myself. So it's hard for me to judge because I feel like when I was a teenager, uh, I had a very different understanding of the world. Uh, I would be taking things as, you know, ultimate truths and believe in things that today I I would find ridiculous and uh, misinformed and stuff. So I think TikTok, actually, uh, this is a very diplomatic answer, but I think it's a great place to shape yourself as a practitioner if you are young if you are first starting and if you want to dip your toes into it and kind of see if it's for you or not but uh, I think like it's a great starting place if you don't know how to find community because it's easier to learn in community and If you are serious about it, if you find out that you truly want to approach this, then you will eventually learn that it's probably not the best place to actually learn. You will eventually find the right sources, the right people, perhaps some teachers or some more experienced communities and thrive as a practitioner. That's all I can say.
0: (laughs) I love that. And you know, what? as you were talking, I just had this thought and I'm like, you know, a lot of people, we love shade to shade TikTok. I'm not gonna lie, I'm so into the witch talk drama. I don't, I don't participate, but I just enjoy watching it because it's just silly. But I think about it and I'm like, imagine if when I first started, I had a social media platform. Like, how cringe would I have been? Because I was really doing some stuff. Like, okay, my first spell ever was from a book, and it was a necromancy spell, girl. Yeah, I said, go hard or go the fuck home. Like, it was. And it was terrible. It ended up terribly. Um, I did not understand the spirit that I was trying to bring in. Definitely brought in some other shit. It took me like four years to get rid of it. I had like three attachments. It was a nightmare. I had nightmares every night for like four years. It was crazy. But I learned and I figured it out and it was good. But I just think like some of the stuff that I see, I'm like, God, if I had a social media account, it would have been, I would not be credible today. <laughs>
1: yeah i know what you're saying because honestly same as i mentioned to you somewhere along the lines of our uh, chat today how my first encounters with Goisha demons as a teenager were really you know (laughs) kind of scary and honestly when you think about it this way if i were on social media back then like fuck I would regret everything. As you say, it would be probably like just massive cringe. Honestly, I know that somewhere along the way, uh, as I was getting into all of that, like the first things that we had were random books at the library. That was all that was available. But uh, eventually we got internet and there were like those, you know, old school internet forums where people would be just chatting about stuff. So I remember back then there was a lot of cringe like people claiming to be vampires and like
0: shit and pretending to be people still pretend to be vampires and yeah I know
1: I mean honestly but (laughs) like I have nothing against vampires but when you get a guy who tells you that he can uh like reverse your um virginity or something so that you're a virgin again you know that kind of stuff like when I remember what people were talking about back then and claiming to be able to do like holy shit, that was not a good environment for a teenager probably. So I think it's the same case like with TikTok. Uh, When we get older, we often like, we always fucking cringe at younger people who just, they are just learning. Like, let's be honest, our brains develop until we are like 25 years old at least. So our nervous system is when we are younger it's just not prepared to properly process information and make sense of a lot of things so I think it's just normal to you know be in that phase you gotta grow somehow right
0: (laughs) yes no that's true that's true that's uh I was talking about this with another guest where I was like I feel like when I was a teenager my magic was stronger and faster but because I had so much more like emotion behind it it wasn't as controlled if that makes sense And so it was kind of like, I felt like my energy would just kind of like lash out versus like being more specific, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of a good thing because I think like if I, I don't know, I I kind of feel like, okay, if I had that same kind of temperament with the knowledge that I have now, it would not have been a good thing at all. And so I'm happy that I've learned more things uh, as I've gotten older, because now I feel like I'm more level-headed and I'm I'm more capable of being like, do I really need to do this or am I just mad right now? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I totally agreed. And uh, I think that's the case with just young people. I remember being a young child and seeing the dead or like one of my first memories. I know like nobody's going to fucking believe me here. But uh, one of my first memories when I was three years old, I woke up in the middle of the night and I actually saw the devil like red fucking huge devil standing in front of me, like inside the wall and I saw them. And I uh, had a lot of experiences like that with seeing spirits and interacting with them and shit like that. And also my magic when I first started uh, a bit later on, as you say, was really also hard to control, but also stronger in some ways. But what I'm understanding right now is perhaps it wasn't necessarily stronger per se, maybe it was just perceived by me in this way because i couldn't control it so uh you know how for example you can be a person with a big brain and be able to learn really quickly uh when you are young and there is just overwhelm and you don't know how to use that power it can really backfire where you overwhelm yourself and burn out or uh get into depression and stuff like that whereas when you are older and you can actually use your resources well then it gets easier. It doesn't mean that the power is diminished in any way necessarily. It just means that we know how to use it and we get used to it. Uh, it's like, you know, when you look at the same thing every single day, you eventually get used to it so much that it doesn't seem so impressive anymore, I suppose. it just how it is.
0: <laughs> okay, I could see that for sure. Um, that's so crazy that you say that because when I was little, so um, I was talking about my great grandpa earlier So when I was a kid, I I would always wake up in the middle of the night and I'd always go to the fridge and like get some water or just like be awake, you know, and um, I remember every night I would walk by the fridge and I would see this really tall, I'm talking about like tall girl, like over six feet, shadow that was darker than dark, right? And where we lived, we lived in the corner and cars would drive by and there was windows there, but like it wouldn't penetrate the shadow, Like it was real weird. And I just remember it walking back and forth. And sometimes I would stand there and look at it and it would stop and look at me. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't see you. And I'd walk away like all scared. Long story short, saw it for years until I think I was like four or five. Stopped seeing it. No big deal. When I was 14, my dad went to Houston and came back with a photo of his great grandpa, which I'd never seen him before in my life. And I saw his photo and I got cold from my head to my toes, dude. I... I was like, I've seen that man. I've seen him in our house, dude. And my dad's like, no, like, I think I freaked him out too. Cause I was like, almost getting hysterical. I was like, I've seen this man. Oh my God. But my dad was telling me he was over six feet tall. And the photo that I saw of him, he was in the military, his military uniform. And so that was him like marching across, I guess, like keeping guard at night. And it was just so crazy. So that's like. I, I get that because that wasn't the only thing that I saw that's just the most interesting thing I've seen a lot of different things and some things that now like um, as I've met more people I'm realizing like there are things out there that don't look human and it wasn't just my imagination like thinking like oh wow I made up this really weird ass looking thing like no this is like a thing and that's terrifying and I'm currently working on my site. It's not as good as it used to be just because I've shut it off for so long because it's kind of scary for me, but it is uh, it is interesting. Do you still see?
1: Thanks for sharing that. Honestly, I relate so much to this because yeah, I've seen some scary and weird shit along the way. <laughs> so yeah, definitely relatable. And uh, sometimes when you see stuff, it's just uh, you wish you didn't. <laughs> Um you know what you're asking if I still see things um yes I do although it doesn't work the same way that it worked when I was a child I feel like nowadays uh I can like actually see see if you know what I mean uh when I am like awoken in the middle of the night um that's when spirits can kind of manifest in a way that at least how my brain processes it feels like they are actually standing there. But usually, no, usually it's um, just more of a bodily feeling. And I'm honestly grateful for that because growing up, just seeing so much shit, I needed years to process that because it's it's not easy to deal with that kind of stuff. And uh, mm, later on, as I was um, a young adult, I also made this connection um, of clicked in my brain that perhaps I was also seeing spirits so much as a child because um, uh, for the longest time growing up, I was suffering from like regular migraines. So if you get migraine auras, that's when you can kind of see things out of the corner of your eye or like see shapes and colors and stuff. It, I know it sounds trippy as fuck, but it sometimes it is honestly. Uh, but I, later on when I learned about that, I figured, fuck, maybe that's what it was. Maybe this combination of, um, you know, having this ailment plus having this, I suppose just predisposition for seeing those things made it so much less, um, easy to control whereas nowadays I don't have that problem anymore so I feel like I can actually choose when to engage in uh sites but yeah I'm definitely more like site or oriented still that's my main thing I suppose whereas you mentioned you are mostly like clear audience right so yeah yeah we're a tiny bit different but I guess the same gift but different uh side of the spectrum right
0: so happy that I don't see as much I mean I have seen a few things here and there but um usually it's whenever I'm actually looking like if that makes sense like I like I'm like okay I need to see this like um but most of the time I don't want to and it's honestly just overwhelming sometimes um but it is what it is and we do what we do so okay so do you have any like super crazy experiences like like everybody has that one story that they tell like do you have one
1: hmm which one to choose (laughs) right um (laughs) I think the one that really shaped me as a practitioner was when I was still a teenager, a bit, a few years later on from when I first began, uh, that was the first time I bravely decided to do a ritual alone at night in the forest. So I, you know, dressed up, took my shed. that there, were, there weren't a lot of tools. I just took like a sigil of something specific, a candle, some mattress, and that's all I think. And I bravely went into the forest. It was around midnight so I don't know how I did it back then (laughs) but honestly once I entered into that forest uh, you know how um, your perception shifts right away especially when it's dark when fear kicks in and uh, just to like add this here I think fear is really powerful when it comes to like inducing trance states or actually helping you with your magic. So I think sometimes pushing yourself over the edge of fear, if you're able to do that without like destroying your mental health, of course, can be really beneficial. So anyway, uh, like my perception was changing really quickly. I began to hear things like moving around me. I was really freaked out, but eventually I got to the spot in the forest. I was supposed to do the ritual. I did the ritual. And uh, then as I turned around to leave the forest, in that moment, I froze like my body couldn't move for a moment i felt like holy shit what now and i could feel this giant void of an energy kind of shaped like a vagina actually <laughs> you know like this this kind of shape just hovering and it was huge behind me a void energy and um i knew instantly this was just something that was communicated to me that if i turn around I will be devoured. I just, you know, I didn't question it. And suddenly I felt like I can go. So I just went, but really slowly and went out of the forest. And once I was back on the street, outside of the forest and everything, um, I turned around and somehow I have no idea. And I'm not going to analyze it to try and make sense of it. uh, The candle that I used during the ritual actually looked like it was still lit up and like it kind of came to the edge of the forest because i could clearly see the flame so i saw that and i'm like okay fuck this i'm out and i went home and uh yeah that's just one of my experiences i suppose i could tell you some like more recent ones but i feel like it wouldn't be appropriate because i'm still working with those spirits so i would rather not i feel like that one is
0: no that's totally fine Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that, that, that dark void, it's like, um, I felt that before, like, it's, um, it feels like it's, it's so dense, right? And it's almost like a focal point of, like, ev- of everything, like, it's sucking in all the energy around it. And uh, I have, I have felt that. So when you said that, I was like, whoa, I don't think I've ever talk to anybody else who's felt that so that's really interesting um, oh wow, I love that I, yeah well when I when I encountered that it was uh via somebody else they had it in a jar and uh
1: that's interesting
0: yeah and I was like it, and and when they were telling me this I was like yeah you're full of shit but then I felt it and I was like I gotta go <laughs> like yeah this, okay this is a lot <laughs>
1: yeah i know what you mean honestly when i look at it nowadays i can make much more sense of this experience back then i was just freaked out for the longest time now um having more experiences with kind of darker energies I had my uh, fair share of working with uh, goisha demons and working with the devil, actually. And um, the this void energy, I suppose, I would classify it mostly as, uh, you know, if you are into traditional witchcraft, that's usually classified as the witch mother. Uh, so, you know, for example, in uh, Wicca or other like traditionary, uh, sorry, initiatory uh traditions where you have this duality of entities you would have like an earth goddess uh who seems to be pretty positive and then this solar male energy that's also pretty positive or like a horned god right whereas in traditional witchcraft you have the uh witch mother who's actually very dark and has no form and there is really not much known about about her form and uh to the point where you are really not sure if she's actually like a feminine entity or just the void itself kind of conceptualized in this way so i'm figuring maybe that was something uh the experience i mean was something of of that kind of experience as if that makes sense although i feel like i will never truly know what that was right
0: <laughs> i was speaking with um and there and there are some some traditions like even in latin america where it's like you have these spirits that you you are bound to essentially like take care of right and in return they take care of you um but if you do not approach them correctly they will devour you they will they will kill you essentially right i don't know this i don't know where i'm going with this it's just i just putting things together
1: (laughs) yeah of course but i get what you're i suppose getting at it's just that witchcraft it's not so straightforward and there are like pockets of really dark shit that you can encounter and it's not pretty and it's scary as shit (laughs) and you really need to like consider do i really need want to uh, engage in that and get to know that side and uh, that's something that sometimes we encounter by chance and if that happens well it's like you're either lucky and it's okay or it's going to fuck you up for a really long time or if you uh build up your strength to the point where uh, you are ready to approach it from mm, you know like a space of consent I suppose then the work gets way different so but yeah it's definitely a thing and I feel like uh practitioners entering into witchcraft are, aren't always aware of this aspect of the craft that it can get dark and uh, oftentimes especially in the like more mainstream or like pop culture magic kind of uh, uh, you know circles people often um, openly say that you know witchcraft is not evil it has nothing to do with the devil uh, we don't worship those dark forces whatever Of course, and that's um, for the sake of PR, like making sure that people don't perceive us as somebody who's to be eliminated and burned at the stake because we are evil, right? So that serves a purpose, but also that kind of misinforms new practitioners that perhaps witchcraft is safer than it actually is. So yeah, perhaps it's important to mention in this regard.
0: Yeah, because like I said, uh, for me starting out, like I started out hot, you know? necromancy like and I didn't have anybody around to teach or learn from and like my advice to people is always like learn protection magic it's super boring because nothing happens but like that's the point nothing's supposed to happen um and then if you want to go darker and that's the point of this podcast too is I want people to be exposed to different avenues so if they decide oh I'm really interested in this aspect like I have someone that I can talk to who's like familiar and like not, you know, just started out last year, you know what I mean? Um, To kind of reach out to, because like I said, I didn't have that. And it took a lot of me just kind of figuring it out in the dark (laughs) and uh, took me a long time. So I just, um, but yeah, like there definitely are darker aspects of magic in all forms. It is all about duality. So just as positive as you're going to have is just as negative. Um, you're gonna have these these entities that, that bring bring light, and these are gonna have these entities entities that consume the light. I wouldn't say bring darkness, I say they consume the light. And so um, it's just something to be aware of, and its I don't think it's anything to be afraid of. It's something to respect.
1: Yeah, I, I love how you really how you said this. I think that really nails the point of it. It's just like nature nature doesn't really differentiate like if you if an animal needs to kill to eat is that dark and evil or is that just the you know what needs to be happening right it's just part of nature so I feel like witchcraft and uh, magic in general just is a lot of that and uh, learning how to navigate uh, something that's at its core neutral or like neutral chaotic you can make something good out of it or you can use it for really dark shit. but that's within you that's not the powers themselves right that's how you use them but i really love how you how you said that how you uh, verbalized that and uh i think also what you mentioned just the purpose of your podcast uh for it being to um inform new practitioners and just having this platform to exchange experiences uh, with practitioners of different walks of life, I think that's really great. And I also never had like a proper teacher figure when I was starting, similarly as you. So uh, I think this is just so um, beneficial for people and saves so much time, like years of solo study. So it's Seriously. also what you're doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: It, it, and, and and so many of us too are are solo practitioners I mean most people you meet it's like yeah like I started this journey on my own and um it's very few people that I have met who have had that opportunity and like I understand that because it's not um it's not something that's for everyone right um and like I I recognize that but learning how to navigate energy is important for everyone um uh, maybe not necessarily particular modes of craft or different aspects of witchcraft right like not everybody's going to want to work with satan you know but it's like really popular in south america we have a lot of like darker entities that are commonly worked with so it's very much integrated into the craft but um it, you know it, it's not for everybody some people prefer the healing aspect some people prefer both but it just, like I said, having somewhere to start, um, that's credible because I've read a lot of books. And like I said, uh, I've uh, I've done a few things and, and some things were just like, why did I do that? Like looking back on it, I'm like, who even let them write this book? Like, I'm so sorry. Like no shade, but like all the shade because I don't know what the heck they were doing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Same. Like I am a huge book nerd. Like I, I usually read a few books a month if I have the time, of course. Uh, And I've been doing that for years. And no shade, but all shade. As you said, there's a lot of books about witchcraft that are either repetitive uh, or are just something that was specifically made up for the purpose of the book. And once you kind of start experimenting with that and not just reading about it, but actually doing it and for some time to test it, it turns out that it just doesn't fucking work. And that's just how it is. So having somebody who who has walked that walk for a bit longer and can tell you like, look, don't waste your time on this. Don't waste your time on that. It's priceless. So I love meeting practitioners who can save my time because like we are not immortal.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't even add on that because that's it. That's everything. <laughs> um, and and the other thing too, like like you said, um, you can read about it all you want. You can talk about it all you want, but until you're actually there doing it and feeling the energy you will not understand what you actually have to be doing. So I always encourage people like try spells, try, you know, and if you want to start off positive so you get a good hang of it, cool. Like do something simple, make a charm, make an amulet, you know, uh, different little things like that, because you'll still feel the energy um, without necessarily like trying to hex somebody and then like hexing yourself and doing all these crazy things, you know, or trying to, manifest a million dollars and then you know grandma dies and leaves you a million dollars in her life insurance policy you know what i mean like things like that happen and they're really common and um it's just really important to you know practice and be mindful and diligent in your learning don't ever stop learning cuz when you um somebody said um once you once you tell yourself you've learned everything once you tell yourself you're a a master or a teacher you stop learning right? And so um, that's really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely agreed. I think that uh, as a witch, I don't think I will ever be done with learning and uh, of course there's so much you can learn when it comes to basics what you mentioned with like feeling energy being able to uh, do something with it being able to control the altered states that you get yourself into and uh just manipulating uh, for a lack of a better word uh the energies you're working with uh to actually do something with them like fine there's a point where you can say uh i'm comfortable with the skills that i have and now i can properly use them but that's barely the beginning of the work and the learning really uh that's when you actually start establishing real relationships with spirits for example and when the teaching from them starts and so on so it's like a never-ending fucking story and once you think you're done you get to uh and next uh teacher, for example, a next spirit that's um, going to open up an entirely new world for you. And also what I think it's important to take into consideration is the fact that uh, while all that is happening with the learning and shit, we are also changing as human beings and uh, our preferences change, our ability changes, Uh, We might not be able to do the same things that we were able to do 10 years ago. Uh, You know, it doesn't get easier really in terms of even just aging, right? So it needs to be taken into consideration as well. And I love that these days there's also this tendency to uh, find ways of um, making witchcraft more accessible in that manner, right? That it's fine and it's accessible for Uh, everybody no matter your ability no matter your um you know like where you are when it comes to resources etc so really loving that trend actually
0: magic is inherent to everyone um but I like what you said about like um things that you were able to do um you know and that you might not be able to do do now but what what I think too is what what ends up happening is um we we all tend to uh I guess, funnel into like specialties, right? And it's not necessarily like that we can't do these other things. And I think that's um, something I want to bring up actually since we're on this topic. There is this tendency, especially because a lot of this stuff is online, everybody has to know everything. You have to be good at everything. And you know what? I suck at scrying. I suck at scrying. I can read candles, I can read wax, I can read smoke, I can read you know even palms fairly well like i can read a lot of shit but i cannot scry <laughs> and that's okay you know um and i just think that especially you know uh i've said it a million times i'm going to say it again like social media is inherently made and based in ego and so it's just like this uh un- unnecessary ne- feeling that we have to be good at everything all the time. And we have to know all the answers, but in reality, that's what happens. You funnel into specialties and you have things that you're really good at and you can talk about and just kill it in the game. But then there's other things that you're just like, yeah, that ain't me. That's nope. And, uh, and that's okay. So I just really want to throw that in there for whoever's listening. If you're not good at everything, if you're just good at one thing, that's okay. And that's, that's the point. You're supposed to be really good at one thing.
1: Oh my God. I'm so glad you mentioned this as well. It's been something that I I, I've been thinking about this a lot too, because as you mentioned, like there's this almost peer pressure to be good at everything, but think about it this way. If you were a doctor, for example, you can't be a doctor or of every specialty at the same time. Like you're either a gynecologist or like an oncologist or whatever you can't just do all of those specialties at once and it's the same with uh, magic and witchcraft really like some people just work with the dead some people just focus on seership some people just focus on like trans journeying uh, other people just specialize in like doing spells for others for love or for health and that's okay some people are great at uh speaking with spirits while others would be amazing at creating protections for the home etc so i also feel like uh when we compare ourselves to others in this way um, and we try to pick up uh, a bit of everything we end up knowing a tiny bit about everything but not really being good at anything in particular, so that can really hinder our growth and also waste our time in the long run. It's better to focus on, like say, three things you're actually into than 20. It's just not realistic.
0: Yeah, it's it's really not. Um, and then too comes the danger of like knowing a little bit about everything but not knowing enough about anything. And so you get this little bit of knowledge, you do a little thing with it, and you end up shooting yourself in the foot because you didn't take the time to learn enough um and and that's that's the boring part you know I'm not gonna lie I remember I was young and I wanted to do everything and try everything and eh, who needs protection like I'm fine I'm invincible and like I get it but um just from this has been a common consensus everybody has had something go awry and you know even with my shakedown just you know a couple years ago like I have a lot of stuff up and that was really helpful because you know I I'm a big, I'm a big believer in like layers. So I layer a lot of things. And so it's, it's yes, it's a strong entity as fuck, but it still takes time to break through each layer. And so it gave me some time to like fix myself up before uh, it got to be too bad, you know? So um, again, just, you know, learn, learn the basics, cover your butt and and have fun I guess (laughs) have fun and be safe kids
1: hell yeah to that amen even (laughs) like hell and amen in the same sentence that's the dualism I'm talking about
0: (laughs) oh my gosh I love it a vibe well um is there anything else that you would like to share if you want to do like a like a shameless plug-in like where can we find you all the things
1: Oh, sure. Gladly. So uh, you can find me on social media under under the handle Polish Folk Witch. Uh, I have an um, Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, but I'm like slightly active there. And my main thing that I do online is Patreon. So you can also find me at Polish Folk Witch on Patreon. I write articles about Polish folk magic, about uh, folk traditions, about pagan traditions as well. And we do study gra- groups, Currently, we are uh, rolling with a study group for the rooms, because that was highly requested by our community, as well as a group that's um, changing topics every month. That group is called the Toad Pond. It's also happening on Patreon. So we just pick something that we focus on as a group every month, and we practice it together for the purpose of like exchanging experiences and uh, learning with the group for those of us who don't have like a group practice offline, right? So that's the main thing I do. Again, Polish folk wetch, find me if you like me. <laughs> and thank you for having
0: me here. No, thank you so much. This was really interesting. Um I don't know, it's just it's um I I really didn't know what to expect, but I, I'm pleasantly surprised that there are so many things that even across the world, seven hours away, uh, that we can relate to on like a real level um so this has really been interesting thank you so much
1: yeah thank you uh I'm also very happy and uh I feel like we had so many topics in common as well uh I just think that us witches uh ultimately have very similar experiences uh and when we actually have the time to compare them it turns out that. You know, magic is magic. It's the same everywhere. It doesn't matter what lens you apply to it at the end of the day. So yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you.